6 a.m. on the West Coast, 9 a.m. on the East Coast of America. It's 2 p.m. in London, England, 7.30 in Mumbai, India, 11 p.m. in Kyoto, Japan, and in Malaysia, it's 19.24. I'm Jay Sheldon. I'm not wearing pants. In nature. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that was. I just, randomly, I think there's a poltergeist in the machine. And this strange woman pops in and just says. There we go. Ah, please stand by. <laughs> All right, we're back. Anyway, uh, yeah, welcome. Hello, Facebook. Hello, YouTube. Hello, Twitch.tv. And hello, Rumble.com. We are live on rumble.com also. Thank you for joining us across whatever platform you are watching. And welcome in also to our podcast listeners that continue to grow. Thank you. We are, the audio part of our show is a podcast. It goes out 15 minutes or so after we're done with our live show. It's the same show. It's just that you have only the voice not the visuals. So a lot of what we do is visual. So we always share the show link, uh, the links to what we talk about in our show notes. That's the description down below. You can click on any one of those and see more about what we're talking. Or if you are listening on the podcast, you can go over to any one of our video replays, rumble.com, YouTube, Facebook, twitch.tv, not so much because it only lasts for a couple of weeks and they delete them, which is stupid, but that's what they do. Anyway, uh, yeah, so thank you across uh, Google, Stitcher, Radio Public, uh, Spotify, of course. Uh, we're on all the, uh, all the podcast platforms. Just hit the subscribe. You'll get our show every time we, we uh, put up a new one, which is three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday. So cool beans. All right. Uh, oh, by the way, before we even start the show, I, I well... It's kind of started already, but I wanted to share this with you because it's so cool. This is from our, uh, uh, actually, this is on on my uh, personal uh, Facebook page, which is open. You can check it out. Uh, but this, you remember we had Dar uh, Darren Chow, the, uh, the guy from the Chrysalis Project, on a few shows ago. And uh, the big event happened, and these are the pictures from the event. It's an uh, official launch and, and the butterfly uh, release. And uh, the Chrysalis Project, I posted this both on my I'm Not Wearing Pants page and also on my personal page. So here is the, uh, the day of the event. It happened. There was a great turnout, tons of people. And uh, they did the, oh, look at all the kids checking out the bugs. <laughs> Very cool. All these from our, uh, our, it's not our, it's there. <laughs> Uh, and this looks like actually the start of the butterfly release. Very cool. Check that out. There we go. Is that a butterfly in that guy's shirt? I think it might be. Either that or he didn't do laundry. So there you go. There's the release of the butterflies. Very cool. And congratulations to the folks at the Chrysalis Project. They do an amazing job over there. All right. Time to check the little lady out. Miko update. Miko update. Yeah. Oh, man. What a weekend we had. 
and it all started in Cyberjaya. You remember Saturday night? I said 8 o'clock was too damned early in the morning to get up and go to a park, especially one as far away in no man's land as Cyberjaya. Well, guess what we did? Yeah. <laughs> we got up early and we went to Cyberjaya and we headed over to Setia Echo Glades, I think it's called. So it's right around that area. And there was a ton of us. There's the little lady uh, as we're just starting to head out into the park. And look at all these other, all these other Shebas in the background here. Uh, there were probably 10, 15 of us. They were great. All the Shebas from all across uh, Klang Valley in Malaysia. Miko was having the time of her life, enjoying the pond. It's a very beautiful park there. If you get a chance, if you're in Malaysia, uh, do check it out. It's very well-maintained, very nice, and uh, brilliantly, it is dog-friendly. So that is fantastic. Uh, just punching through a bunch of these shots. There's some video here also. We won't bother to... Oh, yeah, I do, I do have to play one of these. Is this the one? I think so. Ah, there we go. Miko having some fun with the other uh, the other Shebas. One little girl here. <laughs> she is great. Check it out. There's Miko chasing her around. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. She had a great, great time. And climbed all the way up to the top of the tower. You see that? Way up there, that's me and that's Miko. Here, there's a close-up shot coming up. There we go. You can kind of see it a little better in there. We're in there. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, there's a bunch of the gang. And uh, there we go. There you go. That's a video also. And a little baby. I think she was like five months old or something. Here's Miko checking her out. She was so cute. I remember when Miko was that age. Look at that. Yeah, she is... Uh, She's adorable. Anyway, so we had a great time. Miko got tons of exercise, and uh, and we had a blast. So thank you to the folks uh, down there in Cyberjaya. It's an amazing park, very well kept, very clean, and a lot of fun. And like I said, congratulations for being dog friendly. That's a uh, a rare delight here, but there are quite a few, and uh, we appreciate it. Oh, by the way, I am wearing my Mr. Miyagi shirt tonight. Well, it's not Mr. Miyagi. But it's a bonsai shirt. Looks like the one from Karate Kid a bit. So, yeah, I, I don't know where I found this, but I loved it. Because as you know, I, I do bonsai. I've been involved in bonsai since I was like 15. So that's like 132 years ago. All right. We promised you serial killers. We're going to give you serial killers. <laughs> I saw this. I had to share it. It's the weirdest story. Um, it's from Mames.com. They do some freaky stuff over there. The link, of course, is in our show, note down, show notes down below. Police thought they found a female serial Unilever responsible for 40 victims. But the truth turned out to be even more weird. True crime. Like many, we are morbidly obsessed with true crime. Subject is serial killers. Morbid, but... I think that's part of why we can't help but be fascinated by it. What would drive someone to do something so horrific? Uh, we all know the names of Bundy and Dahmer and Gacy. 
you know what? I can't see these notices that are coming up, but somebody else just subscribed to the stream. So whoever you are, thank you for that. I, I'm sorry, it's too tiny up on the top. I can't see it. All right. Uh, so anyway, here's a, a very strange story. Uh, the main focus takes place in Hilbrunn. Hilbrunn is the sixth largest city in Germany, and I am very sure I've mispronounced it. About 123,000 folks live in Hilbrunn. At late 2000s, police investigators theorized that one of these citizens was a serial killer. The Phantom of Hilbrunn. The killer was dubbed the Phantom of Hilbrunn. They were known as the Phantom because police had very little to go on when it came to their crimes. The Phantom's DNA. All they knew was that they were very prolific in the killing business, very well-traveled. The DNA evidence from the Phantom was found in Australia, France, Germany, from 1993 to 2009. Same DNA through all these killer crime scenes. The Phantom's crimes found at 40 different sites. The crimes ranged from burglary to murder. The Phantom's victims linked six murders, and one of them, sadly, was police officer, I mean, they're all sad, but of particular note was police officer Michelle Kesewetter, killed in Hilbron uh, April 25th, 2007. And so the hunt was on. One of their own among the victims, the police were out in full force to find the killer. The monster had eluded them and been a ghost for about 14 years at this point. Could they find him? Well, actually, we should clarify. It wasn't a he. The Phantom of Hilbrun was a female killer. A very rare thing in serial killers. Normally are not female. So little evidence to go on, they increased the reward for information leading to the arrest and conviction of the murderer to 300,000 euros in January of 2009. But despite all the DNA from the same woman found at so many crime scenes, the investigators started to suspect that they were chasing a literal ghost. They felt the phantom of Hilbrun might not exist at all. March 2009. Investigating a murder victim, police found the phantom's DNA, and when they looked into it, they made a discovery that took their search in an entirely different direction. Have you figured it out yet? It wasn't a phantom at all. It turned out there was no female phantom killer. All of the DNA evidence was contaminated. Cotton swabs was the culprit. No, they didn't do the murders. But what happened was the cotton swabs were all contaminated and not certified for human DNA collection. When these CSI people do crime scenes and collect DNA evidence and do swabs, those swabs are very specifically manufactured 
to be authorized to collect DNA. However, these swabs they'd been using all came from the same factory that employed women who matched the phantom's DNA. Before they were shipped, the women had been touching, and they got their DNA on the swabs, and that's why, A, it turned up female, and it all seemed to come from one woman. The aftermath is because of the massive mishandling of the factory's part. The 2016 International Organization for Standardization created new standards that would minimize the risk of human DNA contamination in products used to collect, store, and analyze biological material for forensic purposes. And now that the police were no longer chasing the imaginary killer, they were able to refocus and solve these known-to-be-now-unconnected crimes. Officer Michelle Kessewetter's killers were found in 2011, and that case was finally closed. How weird was that, huh? <laughs> Just shows to go you, uh, it goes to show you, shows to go you, <laughs> how important it is when you're doing crime scene investigation and evidence collection, that everything be as pristine and clean and clear as it can be. All that time and money wasted because they had contaminated cotton swabs. Wow. And what they thought was a massive serial killer. Cool beans, huh? All right, had to share it. This, uh, again, the link's in our show notes from the uh, folks at World of Buzz. We love World of Buzz. They do some very cool stuff. And uh, they do some important stuff, too, once in a while. It's not all goofy little clickbait things. This is one that I did not think about, but it's true. We all love, uh, here in Malaysia, we have such an amazing variety of flora and fauna, We've got amazing animals here, sadly some of them badly endangered, and in my humble opinion, we're just not doing enough to help protect things, particularly the Malaysian tiger, which is uh, very endangered. But something we don't think about, whenever we see something unusual, we love taking pictures of it, sharing those on social media, because they're fascinating. We love to see them. I love to look at them. Not always the best idea something you may not have thought about and this from world of buzz perhilitan warns malaysians never to share wildlife sighting videos in order to protect them from poachers mm, you didn't think about that did you it's all cool to take a picture of the elephants or the baby elephants and stuff that you happen to see crossing the road in the wild. Yes, we do have that here. But especially if your photo describes where the elephants were or maybe the geolocational data on your photograph reveals that, poachers will use that to figure out where these animals were. So... Tigers, pandolin, whatever they are. The Tringano Department of Wildlife and National Parks, Prohilitan. Director Lu Kien Siong 
has advised members of the public to never share videos of wild animal sightings on social media because the videos may notify poachers of the location of these beautiful creatures and would make the animals become a target of poaching. Reported by national news agency Bernama, Lu says instead advised Malaysians to send the videos to Perhilitan so the department can facilitate further action. The Tringanu Perhilitan director further asserted, sharing wildlife sightings videos on social media with details like location and time they were spotted just gives an, an opportunity to irresponsible people to do very irresponsible things. Perhaps the intention is for others to be careful with the existence of wild animals around the location, but there are negative effects from sharing on social media, and this must be stopped. Like I said, I know it is so cool you get that once-in-a-lifetime photograph of some unusual or rare species, tiger, elephants, pygmy elephants, whatever they might be, and the temptation to share that is huge. But please don't and instead forward it. There's an article, a link to this article in our show notes. You can do some more research about where you can send these videos to the wildlife department and uh, some very, very, very good advice that, that we don't often think about because we're too excited that we got this picture. It's so incredible. I want all my friends to see it. I want to share it on all my social media platforms. Not the best idea. Interesting, interesting, and something... Frankly, I'd never thought of before. Quite cool. All right. We all like doing the right thing, right? Well, Upworthy, again, links in the show notes. Upworthy posted this earlier uh, this week. It was great. Uh, and that's how it's done. James Anderson, a very quick little story for you, but it's, it's a brilliant story. James Anderson is a plumber from Burnley, Lancashire. And he went viral a couple of years ago for his very generous invoice. In 2017, he established a nonprofit called Defer Plumbing Services. They give free plumbing service to seniors and disabled customers. Uh, there is a link to the story, the actual story itself here. But uh, a plumber did work for a 91-year-old grandma with cancer. And this was his invoice. I'm not sure I can click on that and show it to you. Let's see. Yeah, it does come up. Okay. Um, call out to boiler. High pressure and two leaks. Amount charged? Zero. Lady is 91 years of age. Acute leukemia. End of life care. No charge for this lady under any circumstances. We, be, we will be available 24 hours to help her and keep her as comfortable as possible. Defer CIC, one times zero pounds, subtotal zero pounds, total bill zero pounds. That guy, James Anderson, is a saint. Such an incredibly, incredibly uplifting story. It's just brilliant. And uh, wow, all for people who are elderly or not able to care for themselves. And he's not the only one. There's a whole group of plumbers in his group that do this kind of thing for people. And uh, wow, a huge shout out and a big tip of the hat 
to uh, to this guy for the amazing work that he does. Absolutely incredible. Wow. All right. And what else do we have to share? Oh, Chinese New Year. Gong, si gong, si gong, si ni. Jay can't sing, so sue me. Anyway, <laughs> it is Chinese New Year coming up next, after next weekend, the first day of Chinese New Year happens. Um, it's, it's like a week from today, I think, would be Chinese New Year Eve. So the first day of Chinese New Year would be next Tuesday. Am I right? Yeah, I think I'm right. <laughs> and every time there is a, a new year, the Chinese Zodiac calendar comes up. And depending upon what sign you are, this coming... What is that? Oh, it's a vacuum cleaner. Sorry. <laughs> this coming Chinese New Year is the year of the tiger, which is very cool. But depending upon which zodiac sign you are, it can be a good year, it can be a bad year, or it can be a meh kind of year. Neither good nor bad. So a friend of mine posted this. It is a chart which very quickly will show you what kind of a year you're going to have. Strangely enough, I was born... You all know how old I am, so it's no secret. I was born in 1958, but on January 15th, Chinese New Year often falls around January, February. It's always in between those times, mostly. But because my birthday is January 15th, if you just look up 1958, it says it's the year of the dog. Because most of 1958 was the year of the dog. But I was born before the Chinese New Year changed. So I'm actually a rooster. Take a look at the kind of year I'm going to have. Rooster, right there. A plus, A plus for wealth, romance, career, health. A, A, A plus, A plus. I am in for a bang up year next year, if I believed in this stuff. But take a look. Some of these here, if you're the dog, it's uh, again, it's wealth, romance, career, and health. But you can look up whatever sign yours is there. If you're listening to the podcast, check out the link in our show notes or take a look at the video. You'll see it. Another good year for the year of the pig. Also very good. Uh, probably the worst one is the year of the dragon. D, 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 D on the A, B, C, D, F scale. And uh, actually, no, the rat. Oh my goodness, the rat is even worse. F for wealth, D for romance, D for career, and F for health. Wow, rats, you better watch your butts. Not a really great year uh, for you. So yeah, there I, I've left this up a little extended period of time so you can find your own sign there and check out whatever it might be. Um, yeah, that's... Uh, well, that's cool. So we'll let you know a year from now whether or not this was true, <laughs> whether or not it actually happened. Uh, people not having a good year. These folks coming up next in our next story. Again, the link is in the show notes. I encourage you to click on it and check it out. These people revealing the biggest fails of their week. 
Life, says the subtitle, is hard, especially for these folks. Take a look at this news photographer. He's a photographer. He's a TV cameraman for a news channel. You see his camera here? You see that lens? You see that dot on the lens? That's a bullet hole. Yeah. News reporter in Denver has his camera shot by police. Chances are this thing was up on his shoulder. So imagine if it had been five, six inches off to one side. Dang. Look at that. Wow. Thanks, American Healthcare. Here's the second one. My dad spent a week in the hospital for a heart attack. This is what we owe. Total charges, $131,047.75. One week in the hospital from a heart attack. And you, now in, in Ringgit, what would that be? Four, five, half a million bucks minimum, or if not more, my math sucks. Insane. Not so happy Halloween. Here's someone who was the only person in her office to wear a Halloween costume, even though they were told to wear Halloween costumes. And she said, 30 people in the office, and I'm the only one who dressed up today, and I'm in a full body banana suit. Okay. Uh, All publicity is good publicity? Not necessarily. In 2015, a Texas plumber sold his truck to a dealership and found out the decals had not been removed. And it ended up in the hands of ISIS. This is an actual picture of... ISIS blasting off with some, I don't know what kind of gun that is. And there, blazoned across the door of the truck is Mark One Plumbing. Not the best publicity you could ask for. You see this? This barren, burned out hillside. This is this person's backyard after their gender reveal party on Saturday. (laughs) Oh, man. I'm guessing it involved some sort of firework effect. Yeah, that didn't turn out well. There's a ton of these things. Go check them out. It's from memes.com. You'll find the link uh, in our uh, show notes description down below in the video or the podcast, so do do check that out. (laughs) Oh, man. It just doesn't get any weirder than that excuse me all right let me get a coffee time break here and we're going to move into our book we end every show the last segment of the show by reading classic books from the gutenberg project gutenberg.org and uh, we've done a ton of them over the uh, last year plus uh, Alice in Wonderland, Peter Pan, The Wizard of Oz, The Little Prince, uh, you name it. We've done a ton of them. And right now we're doing Tom Sawyer. So, uh, yeah, we want to uh, encourage you to read, read to your kids, listen to people reading to you like me, or have your kids listen in. Uh, the Adventure of Tom Sawyer 
uh, written in 1876 by the amazing Mark Twain. Uh, it was just a piss, uh, piece of piss, a piece of weird trivia. It was the first, one of the first novels written entirely on a typewriter. And uh, just a little warning for the snowflakes in our audience. This was written in 1876. Some words in this book were very appropriate at the time. Today, they are considered vulgar, things like the N-word. We, however, are reading what is written in the book as it was written. If that sort of thing offends you, you might want to find something else to listen to for the next 15, 20 minutes or so. But uh, we're reading it the way it was originally intended to be read. So having said that, without further ado, let's move on to chapter 10. I'm sorry, chapter 9 of The Adventures of Tom Sawyer. At half past nine that night, Tom and Sid were sent to bed as usual. They said their prayers, and Sid was soon asleep. Tom lay awake and waited in restless impatience. When it seemed to him that it must be nearly daylight, he heard the clock strike ten. This was despair. He would have tossed and fidgeted as his nerves demanded, but he was afraid he might wake Sid. So he lay still and stared up into the dark. Everything was dismally still. By and by, out of the stillness, little, scarcely perceptible noises began to emphasize themselves. The ticking of the clock began to bring itself into notice. Maybe the neighbor's dog, like now in the background. Old beams began to crack mysteriously. The stairs creaked faintly. Evidently, spirits were abroad. A measured, muffled snore issued from Aunt Polly's chamber. And now the tiresome chirping of a cricket that no human ingenuity could locate began. Next, the ghastly ticking of a death watch on the wall in the bed's head made Tom shudder. It meant that somebody's days were numbered. And then the howl of a far-off dog rose on the night air. It was answered by a fainter howl from a remoter distance. Tom was in agony. At last he was satisfied that time had ceased and eternity begun. He began to doze in spite of himself. The The clock chimed eleven, but he didn't hear it. And then there came, mingling with his half-formed dreams, a most melancholy caterwauling. The raising of a neighboring window disturbed him. A cry of, Scat, you devil! And the crash of an empty bottle against the back of his aunt's woodshed brought him wide awake. And a single minute later, he was dressed and out the window and creeping along the roof of the L on all fours. He meowed with caution to the ground once or twice, and he went, jumped to the roof of the woodshed, and thence to the ground. Huckleberry Finn was there with his dead cat. The boys moved off and disappeared in the gloom. 
At the end of a half an hour, they were wading through the tall grass of the graveyard. It was a graveyard of the old-fashioned western kind. It was on a hill about a mile and a half from the village. It had a crazy board fence around it which leaned inward in places and outward the rest of the time, but stood upright nowhere. Grass and weeds grew rank over the whole cemetery. All the old graves were sunken in. There wasn't a tombstone on the place. Round-topped, worm-eaten boards staggered over the graves, leaning for support and finding none. Sacred to the memory of so-and-so had been painted on them once, but it could no longer have been read, and most of them now, even if there had been light. The faint moan wind through the trees, and Tom feared it might be the spirits of the dead complaining at being disturbed. The boys talked little and only under their breaths, for the time and the place and the pervading solemnity and silence oppressed their spirits. They found the sharp new heap they were seeking and ensconced themselves within the protection of three great elms that grew in a bunch within a few feet of the grave. Then they waited in silence for what seemed a long time. The hooting of a distant owl was all the sound that troubled the dead stillness. Tom's reflections grew oppressive. He must force some talk. So he said in a whisper, Hucky, you believe dead people like it for us to be here? Huckleberry whispered, I wished I'd knowed. Awful solemn-like, ain't it? I bet it is. There was a considerable pause while the boys canvassed this matter inwardly. And then Tom whispered, Say, Hucky, do you reckon Hoss Williams hears us talking? Oh, of course he does. At least his spirit does. Tom, after a pause... I wish I'd said Mr. Williams, but I, I never meant him any harm. Everybody calls him Hoss. A body can't be too particular about how they talk about these here dead people, Tom. This was a damper, and the conversation died again. Precisely, Tom seized his comrade's arm and said, Shh! What is it, Tom? and the two clung together with beating hearts. Shh! There it is again! Didn't you hear it? I There! Now you hear it. Lord Tom, they're coming! They're coming! Sure, what'll we do? I, I don't know. I think they'll see us. Oh, Tom, they can see in the dark, same as cats. I wish I hadn't come. Oh, don't be afraid. I don't believe they'll bother us. We ain't doing no harm. If we keep perfectly still, maybe they won't notice us at all. Oh, I'll try to, Tom, but, Lord, I'm all a shiver. Listen. The boys bent their heads together, and scarcely breathing, a muffled sound of voices floated up from the far end of the graveyard. Look, see there, whispered Tom. What is it? It's Devil fire! Oh, Tom, this is awful! Some vague figures approached through the gloom, 
swinging an old-fashioned tin lantern that freckled the ground with innumerable little spangles of light. Presently, Huckleberry whispered with a shudder, It's the devil, sure enough, three of them. Lordy Tom, we're goners. Can you pray? I'll try, but don't you be afraid. Uh, they ain't going to hurt us. As now I lay me down to sleep. I... Shh! What is it, Huck? They're humans. One of them is, anyway. One of them's old Muff Potter's voice. Nah, taint so, is it? I'll bet I know. Don't you stir nor budge. He ain't sharp enough to notice us. Drunk, same as usual, likely. Blamed old Rip. All right, I keep still. Now they're stuck. Can't find it. Here they come again. I know they're not. Cold again, hot again. Red hot! They're pinned right this time. Say, Huck, I know another of them voices. It's Injun Joe. That's so, that murdering half-breed. A drunker whether there's a devil a dern sight. What can they be up to? The whisper died wholly out now, for the three men had reached the grave and stood within a few feet of the boy's hiding place. Here it is, said the third voice, and the owners of it held the lantern up and revealed the face of young Dr. Robinson. Potter and Injun Joe were carrying a hand barrel with a rope and a couple of shovels on it. They cast down their loads and began to open the grave. The doctor put the lantern at the head end of the grave and came and sat down with his back against one of the elm trees. He was so close, the boys could have touched him. Hurry, men, he said in a low voice. The moon might have come out at any moment. They growled a response and went on digging. For some time, there was no noise but the grating sound of the spades discharging their freight of mold and gravel. It was very monotonous. Finally, a spade struck upon a coffin with a dull, woody accent. And within another minute or two, the men had hoisted it out onto the ground. They pried off the lid with their shovels, got out the body, and dumped it rudely on the ground. The moon drifted from behind the clouds and exposed the pallid face. The barrel was got ready and the corpse placed upon it, covered with a blanket and bound to its place with a rope. Potter took out a large spring knife, cut off the dangling end of the rope, and then said, Now the cuss thing's ready, sawbones. You'll just out with another five, or here she stays. That's the talk, said Injun Joe. Look here, what does this mean, said the doctor. You required your pay in advance, and I paid you. Yes, you done more than that, said Injun Joe, approaching the doctor, who was now standing. Five years ago, you drove me away from your father's kitchen one night. When I come to ask for something to eat, you said I weren't there for any good. And when I swore I'd get even with you if you took a hundred years, your father had me jailed for a vagrant. Do you think I'd forgot? 
That engine blood ain't in me for nothing. And now I've got you. And you gotta settle, you know. He was threatening the doctor with his fist in his face by this time. The doctor struck out suddenly and stretched the ruffian on the ground. Potter dropped his knife and exclaimed, Here now, won't you hit my pad? The next moment had grappled with the doctor and the two were struggling with might and main, trampling the grass and tearing the ground with their heels. Injun Joe sprang to his feet, his eyes flaming with passion snatched up Potter's knife and went creeping, cat-like and stooping round and round about the combatants, seeking an opportunity. All at once, the doctor flung himself free, seized the heavy headboard of William's grave, and felled Potter to the earth with it. And in the same instant, the half-breed saw his chance and drove the knife to the hilt in the young man's breast. He reeled and fell partly upon Potter, flooding him with his blood, and in the same moment the clouds blotted out the dreadful spectacle, and the two frightened boys went speeding away in the dark. Presently, when the moon emerged again, Injun Joe was standing over the two forms, contemplating them. The doctor murmured inarticulately, gave a long gasp or two, and was still. The half-breed muttered, That score is settled, damn you. And then he robbed the body, after which he put the fatal knife in Potter's open right hand, then sat down on the dismantled coffin. Three, four, five minutes passed, and then Potter began to stir and moan, his hand closed upon the knife. He raised it, glanced at it, and let it fall with a shudder. Then he sat up, pushing the body from him, and gazed at it. Then around him, confusedly, his eyes met Joe's. Lord, how is this, Joe? he said. It's dirty business, said Joe, without moving. What'd you do it for? I, I never done it. Look here, what kind of talk? That won't wash. Potter trembled and grew white. I thought I'd got sober. I had no business to drink tonight, but it's in my head yet. Worse than when we started here. I'm all in a muddle. Can't recollect any of it, hardly. Tell me, Joe, honest now, old fella. Did I do it? Joe, I never meant to. Upon my soul and honor. I never meant to, Joe. Tell me how it was, Joe. Uh, it's awful, and him so young and promising. Why, you two was scuffling, and he fetched you one with the headboard, and you fell flat. Then you come up, all reeling and staggering like, and snatched the knife and jammed it into him, just as he fetched you another awful clip. And here you've laid, as dead as a wedge, till now. Oh, I didn't know what I was a-doing. I, I wish I might die this minute if I did. It was all on account of the whiskey and the excitement. I, I reckon I, I never used a weapon in my life before, Joe. I've fought, but never with weapons. They'll all say that, Joe. Don't tell. Say like you won't tell, Joe. That, that's a good fella. I always liked you, Joe. I stood up for you, too. Don't you remember? 
You won't tell, will you, Joe? And the poor creature dropped on his knees before the stolen murderer and clasped his appealing hands. Nah, you've always been fair and square with me, Muff Potter. I won't go back on you. There now, that's as fair as a man can say. Ah, Joe, you're an angel. I'll bless you for this longest day I live. Potter began to cry. Come on now, that's enough of that. This ain't no time for blubbering. You be off yonder way and I'll go this. Move now, don't, don't leave any tracks behind you. Potter started on a trot that quickly increased to a run. The half-breed stood looking after him, and he muttered, If he's as much stunned with a lick and fuddled with the rum as he had been the look of being, he won't think of the knife till he's gone so far he'll be afraid to come back after it such a place with himself. Chicken heart. Two or three minutes later, the murdered man, the blanketed corpse, the lidless coffin, and the open grave were under no inspection but the moon's. The silence was complete again, too. And that's chapter nine. <laughs> wow. Dang, that is the adventures of Tom Sawyer, chapter nine. And we will uh, we'll finish up with uh, chapter 10 on our next stream, which is coming up Wednesday night. So check that out. And we'll go all the way through The Adventures of Tom Sawyer. And then we're thinking about maybe switching over to The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn. Uh, also, of course, from Mark Twain. All right, guys, that's it for me. I will see you again on Wednesday night, 10 o'clock Malaysian time. Until then, I'm Jay Sheldon. Be sure you hit that like, share, follow, and subscribe button. I'm not wearing pants, but that's just what I do. <laughs> Have a good night, everybody. Thank you.